Good morning, Novation family. I hope this finds you well. Um, coming to you from my basement into your living room, your iPad, your computer, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, I hope this finds you well and hopeful um, this morning. I'm um, going to show you a picture of what it looks like when you uh, haven't had a haircut in 10 weeks. Not too good. I felt like I lost weight when I got a haircut. It was one of the most awesome <laughs> things to get my haircut. It had been 10 weeks. Um, I'm wearing my shirt that we wore to the Dominican Republic um, when we took our, a team in 2018. We've been to the Dominican Republic five times and have built relationships uh, with our missionary friend, Kiko and his family and hope to get there again one day but i was was just wanted you to know that i'd talked to him a few times uh during this last couple months and his church and his mission trying to continue on they have a little tighter rules than than we do when it comes to going out and all of that but uh we actually got to help him tj pander one of our uh, AV guys was able to help him locate a part so that they could do their online service better. So from this many miles away, we were able to help a, a, a church and, and continue that that uh, relationship that we have. So keep Kiko in your prayers and his family as they continue to minister there in the Dominican Republic. Um, it's Memorial Weekend, and we don't celebrate Memorial Day. We 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 remember. We remember the lives of those who sacrificed, you know, for freedom and all the things that 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 we have. And, and, you know, when you think about Memorial Day, you know, we pray for people who have lost loved ones, you know, because of 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 that and laying down their lives. But also think about Jesus. He said, no greater love has a man than this. Lay down his life for his friends. And so. Thank God for Jesus that he laid down his life and gave us ultimate victory over our enemies of, of death and sin and the devil. A few years ago, uh, we did the cliche family vacation and we drove down to the Grand Canyon. And on our way to the Grand Canyon, we stayed in, in Grand Junction and we went to the grape vineyards uh, that they have. I didn't realize this, but Western Colorado, the Western Slope, has the right climate and environment to, to grow grape vineyards, wineries, and so forth. And I took a couple, found a couple pictures that I had taken, you know, years ago. Uh, Janelle and I went to one of the, the vineyards to see what it was like. It was really cool. And the, the, the pics are of the vineyard, of the, how it works. There's me. Um, and then the fruit itself, the grapes. and. I keep that picture close to my heart because I think of, of Jesus in John 15. One of my favorite passages of scripture is where Jesus uses that illustration that he's the vine and we're the branches. And that as we're connected to him, he produces a spiritual fruit in our lives, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of, of good deeds, the fruit of a, of a, of a good life, a well-lived life. God wants us to bear good fruit. Bearing fruit requires abiding in Jesus, staying connected in him. And I would say this, that staying connected could also be called maturing. 
or, or maturity or a maturing faith. A maturing faith has a healthy root system, just like any fruit bearing tree, you need a, a good root system. So we're in the a study of Ephesians and it's a, it's a letter about being rooted in, in Christ, being rooted in faith, being rooted deeper in who we are in Jesus, rooted in, in, in grace. Today, we're going to talk about being rooted in maturity. The, Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian church. There was a, there's a town in modern day Turkey called Ephesus. And Paul went there on his missionary journey and he started a church and he discipled people and he raised up leaders. And he writes this letter, Ephesians to them to encourage them in their faith. And so where we're at in our study is we're going into chapter four today. And there's a transition that happens from our position in Christ, chapters one, two, and three, to our practicing of who we are in Christ, living out who we are. So we're going to see that today. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, um, whether you're brand new at following Jesus or you've been following Jesus a long time, we are all continually pursuing maturity. Who doesn't love babies, right? We have a couple families in Novation that are expecting in June, looking forward to that. But a key verse in this passage we're going to read, the Apostle Paul says, I'm telling you all this so that you'll no longer be like infants, spiritually infants. Instead, grow up into him, into Christ, being rooted, being deeper connected. Now, as our families in Novation have, have babies in June, they're going to be cute, but they're going to grow. If, if a baby doesn't grow or a person's not growing, something's not right. Something's not healthy. And it's, it's, so, it's normal for that to happen. And so in our walk with the Lord, their growth is expected. Maturity is expected, not perfection. But our goal is maturity, to grow in our um, maturity in Christ. So how can you and I know if we're maturing or not? How do we know if, if we're growing in our, in our lives spiritually? Well, the first thing is maturing Christ followers are confident in their spiritual identity. Confident in their spiritual identity. Your spiritual identity, we studied in chapter one, the first 14 verses, one long run on sentence by Paul telling us about who we are in Jesus, that we're co-heirs with Christ, that, that we've been chosen, we're blameless, we're adopted, we're, we're holy because we're in Jesus. And all that is Christ is now ours, spiritually speaking. So I wonder today. If you were to be honest, how confident are you in your, in your spiritual identity in Jesus? We're all finding our identity somewhere. If you're not finding it in Jesus, you're finding it in people, or you're going to find it in, in somebody's approval or your stuff or money. But all those things are, are fake IDs. They're fake identifications, false ways to find our identity. Jesus is our true identity. 
he, Paul in the first two verses says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, bearing in love. He says, live a life worthy of the calling. The calling is our identity in Jesus. Our calling is what I just said about chapter one and who we are in Christ. Our calling is we've been called into the, the, the royal family of the king of kings. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So we are his royalty and we're part of his nobility. Like, think about that. I know a lot of people like to watch old you know, British shows about kingdoms and, and monarchies and all that. So I'm speaking your language probably a little bit. But we're part of the royal family, <laughs> the king of kings. We're part of the nobility of the Lord of lords. When someone's born literally into a royal family or a noble family, a little infant, they don't know their identity. They have to be taught. They have to grow into understanding, you know, who, the, who they are. Well, the same is true, you know, for you and I. You got to know who you are in Jesus. You got to know who he is so that you can know who you are and then have a proper understanding of yourself and where you f find your identity. And so Christians, people who are Christians that don't find their identity in Jesus are finding it somewhere else. And that's why we, you know, can't forgive people because we're not growing. That's why we have pity parties or, you know, just you know, legalism or false ideas about how we're supposed to live our lives. But when people are spiritually maturing, they're not worried about all those other things. Our position in Christ demands a life that, that practices love and humility. So you take your identity in, in being in Christ's family and, and you learn to live, live out that. Maturity is becoming like Jesus. Jesus's life was the ultimate demonstration of what love and humility is about. So again, when we know whose we are, we're in this royal noble family of God, then we'll live out like Jesus, who's the head, who's, who's the king, and we live the way he lived. That's, that's when we're knowing that we're maturing in Christ. Second thing is, Mature Christ followers strive for unity. Maturing Christ followers strive for unity. Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And if he was from the South, he'd say, and all y'all, right? <laughs> all y'all. Listen, we've, I say this a lot. Unity is a big deal to Jesus. John 17, his prayer for the disciples. We studied that on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. And, and if you remember, Jesus prays that they would be one as he and the Father are one. And he's ta not talking just about the disciples, but us who would believe their message as well that we'd be unified in love and unity. And he said, it's, it's, 
it's so important because the world will know that the father really sent Jesus, the Messiah, if we're walking in love and unity. When we're walking in disunity and, and, and not love, the world looks and laughs at, at the gospel. But when we're loving and caring for one another and we walk in unity, churches walking in unity together, man, that, that people to stand up and take notice to that. So what, uni what unifies us? And because this is important, like our beliefs unify us. And when I say our beliefs, I mean, essential beliefs to Christianity. Paul gave like a little creed right there in what he was laying out, which are the essential things to believe. All the things, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one hope are the things that we have put our, tr our trust in God in. Um, we at Novation just recently redid our statement of faith to simplify it and to major on essential uh, truth known as the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed predates the, the, the Roman Empire taking on Christianity as its, you know, political, you know, whatever religion. And, and um, it, it, it's, it's a summary of the Apostles' teaching about what was most important, the things the Apostles taught. So we use that as a way of, of steering us in the right direction for good doctrine and sound teaching and to keep away false teaching and bad teaching that would ever question essential teaching, you know, of the church. And again, essential versus non-essential. What's a non-essential thing? Well, it, it, it could be something that's very important to somebody but it's, it's, it's not an essential. It's not a primary thing. What style of worship? What version of the Bible do you read? How do you baptize? What is church government like? The end times, what's your belief about the end times? The spiritual gifts. It, I mean, we could go on and on and on. If you, if you look in a phone book, which nobody looks in a phone book anymore, but if you were to search, you know, churches, you would see 500 different types of denominations. And each one of those denominations are birthed out of some sort of schism that, that they say, oh, you don't believe exactly like we do about this secondary issue. So boom, they move on and they create their own movement or denomination. That's why we're non-denominational, by the way. But I'm not saying that in, in arrogance, but in a denomination, they have secondary things that are very, very important to them. But what unifies all of us as all churches, all denominations that genuinely love Jesus is the Apostles' Creed. It's, it's these things that Paul's talking about in here. And so it, it's in, in our church, we've got a culture where you've done a great job, church family, in not fighting over secondary issues or dividing over it's a better way to say it because we always say we we can we can discuss you know we can even debate secondary issues but let's never let it divide us and disunify us let's major on the on the majors because listen we're here to make disciples not theologians Jesus didn't say, hey, go make theologians in my name. He said, make disciples. We're here to make, help people follow Jesus in, in their life. 
If your theology doesn't make you more like Christ, then you need a new theology. So our theology should be shaping us to, to think, act, and speak like Jesus anyhow. So knowing the essentials is important because it's, it's kind of like, you know, you can spot a counterfeit. If you know the essential truths of, of, of the faith, you'll, you'll be able to, to spot a counterfeit or avoid a counterfeit. When they, people who study counterfeit money and can spot it, they don't, they don't study fake money. They study real money so that they can spot a counterfeit when it comes by. There are, there are you know, there's bad doctrines out in the world. There's bad things that are taught that hurt people, that, that are not helpful to people's lives. Whether it be extreme legalism or the health and wealth prosperity gospel, or I mean, on and on, we got to know what, what, what we really, really believe. So we got to help each other learn what the essentials are. When you think of a, a, a toddler, if you left a toddler with a box of Twinkies and you left the room, uh, that Twinkie box is history, right? The, the toddler doesn't, hasn't, doesn't have the ability yet to know what's good or bad when it comes to food. It has to be hot, taught and, and measured. And so when it comes to us growing and knowing what's most important, just remember it's, it's those things that we find in the Apostles' Creed are the things that are the majors that we need to know. So what else creates unity? I mean, somebody said once years ago that in the essentials, walk in unity. In the non-essentials, give liberty. But in all things, have charity or have love. What creates unity? Our triune God. Right there in the passage. One Lord, one God. One Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Godhead, the Trinity, one God in three persons. There's not three gods. So important that we don't uh, forget that. And it's, the, the Trinity is a mystery, but it's revealed in, in the scriptures that, that the Father is obviously God. The Son is God, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is God. One God, three persons. They, the, the, the Trinities lived in perfect unity from eternity past for in, into eternity future. Truth unites us. Our, our common faith unites us. Hope unites us. And love unites us. Our doctrine, our core doctrine, our essential doctrine should unite us, not divide us. If the world, the Christian world and churches could catch that, we might be more effective in reaching people with the good news about Jesus. Number three, maturing Christ followers recognize and exercise their ministry. Infants don't realize that the world doesn't revolve around them. You know, they, they eat, they poop, they cry, and they do it all over again, right? Because they're, they're literally helpless. They're, uh, you know, they don't realize there's more to their life than just their needs. But as they grow, we all learn that life isn't about us and that we're all here to learn to move from being helpless to being helpful. Paul says, 
But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. A well-functioning church, a healthy church, has people ministering to people. It's, it's not just leaders and pastors that do the ministering. It is the leaders and the pastors equip you, the body of Christ, to minister to one another. You know, our home groups at Novation do such a wonderful job in, in pastoring and shepherding one another and caring for one another. Because that's, that's what, what a role of home group leaders do. And you guys do a phenomenal job. Our home groups have, have, have flourished in, in this time of not being able to, to be together. So I want you to remember three things that, that Christ, first of all, Christ gave you gifts to serve the church. You need to accept that it says to each one of us, grace has been given. That word for grace is interchangeable with a gift, an endowment, so to speak. And he says that when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. Jesus, after he died and rose again, he went back to heaven. And when he ascended, he pulled out gifts, spiritually speaking, to the body of Christ. It's like a, a king who, who won a victorious battle, and he comes back with the spoils of war, and he shares it with his people. That's what Jesus has blessed us with, spiritual gifts. So you've been given a gift. Do you know what your gift is, what your spiritual gift is, your ministry gift? Um, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, talk about ministry gifts. And every single one of us has a gift of encouragement, serving, teaching, encour encouraging. I said that. Uh, prophesying, you know, one to another, getting a word from the Lord and being a blessing there. Um, contributing to the needs of others, generosity, leadership showing mercy. You, every one of us has, has one of those gifts. If you'll go to the TND Facebook page, our spiritual growth Facebook page, TND. If you're not already a member, go and, and, and become a member of that. What we do is we put, you know, spiritual growth, discipleship content, you know, weekly, daily, weekly sometimes. And uh, on there right now, after this, you can go and um, follow uh, the follow the instructions that you read about taking a, a spiritual gift test, doing a seven mile devotion where you can learn and talk and, and, and kind of ruminate on on spiritual gifts and doing ministry and how God's shaped you for, for life and shaped you for ministry. <clears throat> Christ gave leaders to equip the church. He gave leaders, says he gave leaders to do the equipping so that people 
are deployed, so to speak, with their gifts back out in, into the world to do ministry. He said he gave five titles for these types of leaders. He said apostles. Um, the, the, an apostle is one who is sent. An apostle is the principle of the apostle is a church planter, a missionary who goes overseas and starts a church or reaches people for Jesus. Um, an apostle, so to speak, we don't really use that word in our culture, but we do use the word church planter or someone who equips people to start new churches. He said the prophets, the office of a prophet is different than the gift of prophecy. Um, Paul says the, that prophesying is getting a word from the Lord and then speaking it, a word of exhortation, um, edification and comfort to somebody. It's a supernatural, awesome thing. When God says, hey, I want you to tell, tell this, you know, to this person, encourage them with this word. We have to trust God when we learn how to, to use that gift of prophecy, but we're told that everybody can use that gift. The office of the prophet is a church leader or leadership that speaks the truth no matter the cost. It's, it is a, um, you know, somebody who brings correction, you know, calls for repentance and brings direction for the future. So I think to remember the, the, the church leader that would be a prophet, so to speak, is brings direction and correction to the church. And then evangelists. Evangelists, and they want everyone to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want, they take the great commission wholeheartedly to share the good news about Jesus. But an evangelist in the truest sense of it is not just someone who shares their faith, but it's someone who equips others to share their faith. I mean, we have a local guy, Greg Steer, who runs Dare to Share Ministry. He has definitely been called by God to be an evangelist. He not only practices sharing his faith all the time, but he equips young people or anybody how to share your faith. That's, that's the, what an evangelist does. And then pastors. Pastors lead in the church by caring for the for the flock. They take care of their flock. They tend their sheep, so to speak. And then teachers lead people in understanding the Bible better, understanding the gospel better, um, understanding truth better. So teachers are, are anointed by God to help you and I know what the Bible is saying. Take something that was written 2,000 years ago and, and even more with the Old Testament and how does it apply today? And how do we lift out the meaning of a text and interpret it? Teachers have been called by God to do that. So I want you to ask yourself right now, do you feel like you're wired in any of those five church leadership uh, titles that are there? Because not everybody is called to these, these gifts to the church. We all have a ministry gift. Remember Romans 12, 4 through 8. But, but we're not all called to these. Some are. And I don't know why God calls some and not others and, and how he uses things. But if you feel that in any way, love to talk to you about it. 
and our leadership talk to you about what you what you might be feeling. So that'd be great. And then uh, thirdly, Christ expects us to use our gifts. In the parable of the talents that Jesus taught in Matthew 25, he said that a, a, a guy gave his servants, he said he gave one guy five talents, money. The, sec, the second guy, two talents, money. And the third one, one talent. He said, you know, basically, go multiply this for me. And um, he comes back and the first guy had multiplied his five, turned it into 10. The next guy turned his two into four. The guy with just one talent, he buried his in the sand. He didn't do anything with it. And in the parable, the first two guys are praised for do, using, you know, his talents to multiply. The third guy got, got chastised pretty hard. And so the, the point is, is Jesus wants, he's given you talents. He's given you gifts and he wants you to use them for his glory. Number four, maturing Christ followers continually pursue maturity. The mature continue to mature. None of us have arrived or will we ever arrive. We're a work in progress until glorification on the other side of, of death and the resurrection. We realize in this life that we don't have it all together all the time, but it's a pursuit of, of obedience, a pursuit of maturity. He continues, he says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will become, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. We're the body of Christ. And using this physical illustration we build ourselves up in faith and in love. And so we do that as we continue to pursue maturity. And it's important if we just make that our language, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, and we pursue it instead of thinking we have to be perfect or thinking we have to have it all together. It's just let's keep growing day by day in our faith, our hope, and our love. When you think of um in the terrible twos, if you've had kids or you have them now or grandkids or whatever, the terrible twos are that stage in, in child rearing that, you know, two-year-olds have this tendency to just throw tantrums, throw fits, you know, inconsistent behavior, lack of, of discipline, wanting their way. Their will is being, is being tested all the time of, of having their way. <laughs> And parents, you know, you've been there. That's, that's, a, that's tough. And so the stronger the will of that child, the more difficult it can be, you know, obviously for a parent. I say that to say this. When you and I are 
choosing to disobey, when you and I are uh, willfully not doing what the Lord's told us to do, when we're holding out forgiveness on somebody, or we're pouting, we're having pity parties, we're lacking self-control, think of that terrible two <laughs> phase. Because that's what we're doing just in bigger bodies, right? Adult bodies, we're teenage bodies, we're, we're still throwing tantrums, but in a different way, when we don't get our way. Learning to take responsibility for our mistakes, being quick to repent. Um, man, these are things that we should be pursuing. Don't be shocked at the immaturity of, of other believers, but be very leery of it in yourself. And as a matter of fact, don't tolerate immaturity in your own life. You don't worry about everybody else's maturity or immaturity. Take your own life and, and, and don't tolerate that spiritual immaturity, you know, lack of, again, lack of forgiveness, lack of the fruit of the spirit, any of these things in our life. I think a good question to, to ask ourselves, good test would be, are you more humble than you were a year ago? Are you more peaceful than you were a year ago? Are you more hopeful than you were a year ago? Are you more helpful serving than you do were a year ago? And the best way to really test that is to ask somebody who knows you well and ask them, am I more humble? Have I grown in that? Have I grown in peace? Have I grown in, in my hope? Have I grown in being helpful and serving? And then take that feedback and don't get mad. <laughs> if you don't hear, if you don't like what you hear, give it over to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to be like you. Help me to mature in my faith. That the gauge of our spiritual growth is not Bible knowledge. The ga gauge of our spiritual growth is not how eloquent our prayers. The gauge of our spiritual growth and maturity is love. Love is what our, our ability to love and our ability to be loved. And if you remember, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it doesn't keep record of wrongs. Love does not, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It, it is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's your gauge. And on what I just read, you can print this out on your notes. I took that I took the word love out and I put a blank in there. And what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm encouraging all of you to do to grow spiritually, my novation pen, to grow spiritually and to continue to pursue maturity, which is authenticated by our ability to love and to be loved, is write your name in there. Scott is patient. 
and kind. Uh, patience, I think I'm kind, I don't know about patient, right? So I need to grow in that area of my life. You know, I'm, Scott is not jealous, etc. So what I want you to do is, as, a, as a takeaway from this is print this out on your notes for your notes, the notes, this will be on there and put your name in there. You'll know as you put your name in there, write what you need to work on, where you need to mature, where you need to grow. And I believe God's going to do that for us, that we as individuals and as a church family move together, pursuing maturity marked by love, authenticated by love. Um, I love you guys, and I can't wait to, to see your faces and to be together. And I know that's going to be um, sooner than later. And uh, I want to pray for you. And after uh, this is done, if you'd like to pray with somebody, um, you can go to novationchurch.org backslash prayer meeting. And a few um, of us will be in that that little prayer meeting. And if you have something you'd like to pray with or need or whatever, please let us know. If you don't want to do that, you can put your prayer requests um, online and they get prayed over every week by our I Pray team. If you'd like to be part of the I Pray team, feel free to do that as well. Let's pray. Lord, we desire maturity. Thank you for your spirit, which shines light on our hearts where we're not walking in maturity. We're not walking in love. We want to grow. Lord Jesus, we confess to you today our sins, our, our shortcomings. But we also with hopeful hearts know that you can change anybody. Lord, you changed the Apostle Paul from a murderer, a religious terrorist, to being such a loving person that you've used so mightily. So we take that in hope that you can change him. You can change anyone. Change us, Lord, into to walking and reflecting your image, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Um, bless you.